You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with breaking news and a bizarre story out of Salmon Arm where a man has allegedly deliberately torched a convenience store. Police say the 37-year-old man first drove his vehicle into this 7-Eleven, poured gasoline throughout the inside of the store, and then set it on fire. At this point, it appears everyone was able to get out, and the suspect was arrested at the scene. Nearby buildings were also evacuated as a precaution. No word yet on the motive for the attack. We'll have more details as they become available, but obviously scary for people in Salmon Arm. Now, a grisly discovery near Highway 1 has taken the integrated homicide investigation team north to the Fraser Canyon. A woman's body found just off the highway outside of Boston Bar. Investigators now hoping a seized van will provide clues and help them track its movements. Catherine Urquhart reports. A team of investigators arrives in Boston Bar, about 45 minutes north of Hope, along the Trans-Canada Highway. Members of the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team are here after a woman was found murdered. I, I am completely shocked. It's such a small community, and to think that it could be a local from here, that it's going to affect the community a lot. The body was discovered north of town by the highway on Wednesday night. Police don't know who she is, but describe her as Caucasian in her 20s. A man was arrested at the scene and investigators seized his van, this white 1994 Chevrolet Astro. It's in an RCMP forensic facility and we're going to be going through it uh, carefully, collecting all the physical evidence, all the forensic evidence. But we need to develop a timeline. We need to know uh, points of uh, interest where we can further our video canvas, for instance. And we can do that from the, with the help of the public. The man arrested has since been released. Why remains unclear, as does his connection to the murdered woman. The priority right now for our investigators will be to positively identify our female victim and then to notify her family of her death. Investigators anxious to solve this murder mystery and provide answers to the woman's family and the entire community of Boston Bar. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Some measured good news on the wildfire front today. The air quality advisory has been lifted for Metro Vancouver, but there are still 560 fires burning across the province. This video into our newsroom today, shot on Wednesday just outside of Fort St. James. This is part of the massive Shovel Lake fire, now at more than 90,000 hectares. Firefighters have been making progress, and one evacuation order has been partially rescinded. Residents living on the west end of Fraser Lake can now return home, but they still have to be ready to leave again at a moment's notice. And this is the same area only one day later. The fire mostly burned out except for a few hot spots. Province-wide, 760,000 hectares have been scorched, making this the third worst year ever in terms of area burn. More than 4,000 people are still under evacuation order. Well, if there's any good news to come out of this year's fire season, it's that people appear to be getting the message about fire safety. Of the 556 fires burning right now where the cause has been determined, only 32 were human-caused, the vast majority caused by lightning. 
And a spectacular sight from this year's wildfires, Jason Gendron captured a rare time lapse of the Northern Lights dancing over a wildfire burning in the Yukon on August 21st. The red glow of the fire adding to the greens and blues of the aurora. Gendron says he stayed up late to record the performance by the Northern Lights in an area called Windy Arm. And you can see more of that on our website as well. Another fire in Metro Vancouver this afternoon, burning a number of people out of their home. Smoke from the fire on the 3800 block of Kingsway in Burnaby could be seen across the lower mainland. Four students and a couple living in the house. And while no one was home at the time, firefighters did rescue a small dog. The heavy smoke and flames forced crews to take a defensive position and make sure the fire didn't spread to neighboring buildings. No word yet on a cause for that one. And another frightening example tonight of how gun violence doesn't just put gang members at risk. A quiet Coquitlam neighborhood was awoken early this morning by several shots fired into a home. Living in the downstairs suite, a family with two children. Nadia Stewart reports. Two, three, four, five, six. Like the pillars up there too. There are about a dozen bullet holes piercing the front of this Coquitlam home. The same home where Daniel and his family were asleep in the basement suite when gunfire erupted. I was sleeping like it was about one in the morning. I thought I was dreaming and it sounded like fireworks going off. At around 1.15 Friday morning, a number of people called 911. Multiple shots were fired into this house in the 1200 block of Thomas Avenue, waking up the neighborhood and the unsuspecting people living inside. We sleep downstairs. I wonder if one of the bullets went through uh, the window into us or if they went this way to the kids' window. You know, what then? So far, no one has been arrested, but police do say that at least one individual who lives in this home is known to them. They are looking into whether or not there are connections to the ongoing gang warfare in the Lower Mainland. At this point, it does look like a targeted shooting, and we are exploring the possibility that this is related to larger conflicts throughout Metro Vancouver. The people who live upstairs did not want to speak on camera. People who live on this street say this kind of violence just doesn't happen here. It gives you a funny feeling, you know. You, think that, uh, that you never think that it's going to happen around your place. You, know, you think it's somebody else's place all the time. Not thinking this has happened in my lifetime. You know, it's happening in Surrey quite a bit. And I don't want to be in the place where it's happening where I live, but it's happening. Police are looking for surveillance video and witnesses. Nadia Stewart, Global News. With gun violence a particularly hot issue in Surrey, the federal cabinet minister responsible for organized crime reduction met with that city's leading anti-violence activist today. Global's Ted Chernecki was there. And Ted, so did the members of Wake Up Surrey get what they wanted out of this meeting? Wake Up Surrey did not get what they wanted. They want money money that was promised years ago by Ralph Goodale, the public safety minister, but they did get the ear of the new minister against gangs, and he would only commit to the fact that he hopes to get this problem solved. At the Surrey Library, where two months ago thousands of angry citizens rallied in support of the new grassroots movement called Wake Up Surrey, today Canada's new crime reduction minister came to listen. The, the government of Canada is absolutely committed to the safety of all of our communities and the safety of our kids, and we're going to work with all three orders of government and our communities to make a difference. This rally was triggered by the gang killings of 16- and 17-year-old kids 10 days earlier. Blair was asked why hasn't promised funding come through so they 
can start tackling the root causes of all the gangland crime in Surrey. It's not about speeches anymore. It's not about promises. It's about delivery. The former Toronto police chief is also the minister responsible for border security. And understanding that the root cause of gangs is often drugs, Wake Up Surrey asked Blair to look at the differences between port security in Vancouver versus Seattle. Seattle, they have 133 port police officers, including seven boats and 12 dogs. And while here, we don't have any police. They dismantled it long ago. And we have only 12 CBSA officers working with two boats. It was here in Syria on November 17th last year where Federal Safety Minister Ralph Goodale announced $326 million to fight gangland crime. The key, I think, is to listen to the local communities. 100 million of which was to be made available this year. Enough is enough. They promised $326 million in this city during the South Surrey by-election. And 100 million was supposed to be here. Where is that money? It hasn't even passed Treasury Board. Wake Up Surrey plans to go to Ottawa in September with a report that they're making. And they say they're not going to stop until they get at least a task force set up against gang violence and possibly a full public inquiry. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Ted. An accident in Vancouver involving a car sharing vehicle killed one person and sent another to hospital. It happened just before 3 a.m. on Arbutus between 36th and 37th Avenue. The 30-year-old uh, Burnaby man behind the wheel was killed, but remarkably, a 32-year-old Langley man in the passenger seat suffered only minor injuries. Speed appears to be a factor. New developments tonight in the battle over a Vancouver home some say is being run as an expensive flop house. We told you how dozens of people were allegedly paying up to $1,000 a month each to live in this single-family home. As Jennifer Palmer reports, the home's owner says he didn't know about the situation until he saw our report. Are you able to fill me in on what's happening with the property? She's a tenant, that's what she is. Oh, okay. She's just a tenant. She's the landlord, but she's a tenant. She was renting to us, saying she's a landlord, but she's not. She was alive. Christina Monaco was talking about the lady she believed was the property manager of this house on West 65th Avenue in Vancouver. But it turns out she, Yang Jo, is a tenant and is now subletting. So nothing illegal. I don't think there are any, anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Christina contacted Global News telling us there was up to 21 people living in the home. She was so upset with the situation, she chooses to live in the backyard in a tent and not stay in the room she rents for $1,000 a month. Oh, I'm stressed out. Stressed right out. Joe says she rents to students and foreign workers and that it was all in compliance. The city says they're aware of the home. As for the other renters, they say they're looking for accommodations. Take okay. Matt Brody. He pays $500 a month to split a one-bedroom room um, with another tenant. She's a little old lady, and so you don't expect that you're getting swindled. That's the way it works. The property is one of several owned by the Buffalo Group, slated for redevelopment in the next year and a half or so. Their lawyer spoke with us. Uh, my client, uh, Buffalo, the Buffalo Group, discovered this situation through your newscast. Uh, they came to see me right away. Uh, the situation is that they have a lease agreement with a particular individual. Uh, they were unaware that she was renting out to all this many people. They've taken steps to try and remedy that. They've terminated the lease. Uh, we've devised a sign that they've posted on the premises to tell the people who are living there that they're not permitted to. And my client is working with the city to clean up difficulties with permitting and so on. Uh, and when they've uh, emptied the house and terminated the tenancy, 
they were quite prepared to rent to further people and perhaps as many people as the city will allow who are looking for inexpensive housing. Good news for future renters looking for a home, but for right now, this situation has left these tenants scrambling to find a new place. I'm going to just sit outside in the backyard with my tent. I'm not going anywhere. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A Global News exclusive into allegations at two subways in Aldergrove has led to wages finally being paid to employees. They had complained about not getting overtime and statutory holiday pay. The province's investigation into the claims of food safety and labor violations is ongoing. But tonight there are more troubling allegations. They involve people trying to immigrate to Canada, apparently being taken advantage of. Nitu Garcha has more on why this could be a symptom of a much bigger problem. As the owner of two subways in Aldergrove stays silent when contacted by Global News, whistleblowers continue to speak out. We've agreed to conceal their identity. Girls who are working 40 hours and they're supposed to work 20 hours. They can't deport it back. In Canada, international student visa holders can't legally work more than 20 hours per week off campus. Weekly subway staff schedules provided by whistleblowers allegedly show those students working well over that amount. Subway Aldergrove is under investigation and the allegations have not been proven. Aside from the questions about the subway restaurants, there is another troubling issue affecting vulnerable immigrants from many countries and across many industries, according to immigration lawyer Will Tao. I know for India this year, you're looking at, uh, I think by the end of the year end, we're going to have about 80,000 plus uh, study permits issued, and that's been going on the rise for the last four years. In India... Numerous advertisements promoting a move to Canada and a better life, which can lead students to unlicensed agents who facilitate illegal immigration services. He says this is how one scheme works. On a promise to get help with the process, a prospective immigrant pays an agent in Canada a lump sum of money. A portion of that sum is given to an employer who then uses that money to cover the employee's wages and to profit. are kind of unscrupulous and, and, and they take these as fees. They take these as part of their uh, legal, you know, consulting fees, immigration fees. Uh, and many times students are unaware. So it has to become some sort of an epidemic. Right. Uh, or, or multiple incidents or, or a larger scale fraud before government steps in. This story has BC's Labour Minister promising changes and urging others to break their silence. If you feel that the, your rights are, are being violated, please come forward. We'll support you and more support is on the way because we are modernizing employment standard branch so that we can proactively go and audit employers if there are some complaints of uh, violations. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Aldergrove. But first, the end of gridlock is approaching for commuters who rely on a busy stretch of East First Avenue in Vancouver. Part of it's been shut down since July for gas line work. Jill Bennett is at the section of East First that will reopen this weekend. And Jill, some people not looking forward to the return of traffic. Chris, many of the businesses along First Avenue say they are very happy that the road will be opening up again soon. However, some of the residents say they're going to be sad to see cars back on First. For East Vancouver resident Kyle McDonald, the closure of First Avenue isn't an inconvenience at all. We've been uh, riding bikes. People, we saw people having a picnic out here. There was a barbecue, gone for runs, done pretty much everything you'd imagine you'd do in a park, but on the closed road. Other neighbors agree having an arterial route shut down to traffic has its benefits. For me, it's nice because I can ride this road without cars, and I'm, 
Meanwhile, I'm happy for, for this. The other day I was up at the laundromat and it was so quiet, just able to just hear the silence. But not everyone shares that appreciation for quiet. First Avenue has been a construction zone for several weeks as Fortis BC replaces 20 kilometers of gas line from Vancouver to Coquitlam. The project was announced back in April, giving people time to prepare. Still, several local businesses along the route say it's been tough. I probably lost a lot of new customers because there is no traffic anymore here. You know, the new customers, they like think, oh, maybe it's too difficult to get here. Let's find another business. Fortis BC did help by purchasing gift cards for businesses and promoting the fact they were still open. But at Pacific Laptop, sales dropped 30 to 40 percent. Obviously, we recognize that it has been an inconvenience for people in the area, but we do really appreciate the patience that the community has shown us whether it's residents or businesses or commuters. First Avenue between Rupert and Nanaimo will reopen fully Sunday morning. The work between Nanaimo and Clark is complete, but the city needs to do electrical work before that reopens August 31st. Anyone who prefers a more quiet road should enjoy it while they can. People here are enjoying the closed road. People on Broadway or Hastings might have a different opinion, but I've enjoyed it. So, well, First Avenue will be fully reopened by the end of the month. That gas line work being done by Fortis BC is continuing in other areas. That means there will be construction and more closures in areas such as Burnaby and Coquitlam. Chris? All right, Jill, thank you. We're learning more tonight about the victim of this week's fatal crash on a notorious Vancouver Island highway. As Kylie Stanton reports, he was the sole breadwinner for his young family, and the community is coming together to support his widow and their two-month-old daughter. He was fun, outgoing, adventurous. At 36 years old, Jonathan Seidel had everything going for him. He was newly married to his longtime love, Veranda. The two became parents to daughter Hazel just a couple of months ago. You know, it's never easy to lose someone suddenly. Uh, we're just taking it day by day. It was just after 8 Wednesday morning when Seidel's sewage truck collided with an SUV near Goldstream Park. It flipped on impact and he was pronounced dead at the scene. The highway was closed to traffic for seven hours. We were told that the truck collided with uh, the rock face, um, went into the ditch and rolled. It's just the latest in a string of crashes on the notoriously dangerous highway that connects the capital region to the rest of Vancouver Island. Now, a fast-growing online petition is demanding the provincial government find a better solution. And while the Ministry of Transportation claims a review is underway to look at potential alternatives for Seidel and so many others, it's too late. It's not the first or last tragic accident on that stretch of highway, that's for sure. It's a big incline at fairly high speeds and very windy. And I don't know that I know the answer. Instead, the family is taking comfort in the incredible outpouring of support. We are floored. People are delivering food. It's been incredible. On top of that, donations are pouring in. So far, a GoFundMe page has raised more than $37,000. We never expected any of it. And it's going to allow Randa to grieve properly, take care of her daughter properly, and be able to navigate what life is going to look like going forward. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Birdwatching is a multi-billion dollar industry south of the border, but despite our vast population of birds, it hasn't quite boomed here in B.C. But now, with an international birdwatching conference in town, an effort is underway to give wings to the business here. Linda Aylesworth reports. 
We gotta find a pileated woodpecker. And so the search begins in Vancouver's yeah. Stanley Park. Did you hear the pileated calling? Bird watchers don't always find the birds they seek. Here's an American robin. But they do enjoy the pursuit. Sure, because you just listen to it, the bird songs, I really love it. Just watching nature in itself, it's just very peaceful. This is red-breasted sapsucker, right up here. You can go out on a good day in the lower mainland, you can see 100 species of birds. But watching them wasn't always a hobby. Shooting them was, for sport and for their fashionable feathers, to the brink of extinction and often beyond. That they received at least a partial reprieve is thanks in part to these. After the Second World War, binoculars came available and people started to watch birds. But now, with the increase in technology, it's drawn more and more people in. We'll get a better look at the double-crested cormorant. The result of being able to see birds up close and personal, even when you're far away. In North America now, um, birding is the fastest outdoor, outdoor growing activity. It's worth over 55 billion US. And that is having a positive effect, not just on the economy, but on the welfare of birds. It's creating value for preserving and conserving that ecosystem and those birds. Suddenly they have monetary value. Ah, good, good, good. That's another one. I like the fact that everywhere you go there are birds, there's always something interesting to look for. The behaviours of birds are just so easy to watch and it's, it's fascinating. You feel very like peace and enjoy lots of fun during the bird watching. As for that pileated woodpecker they were looking for, they found it. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The man known for introducing the world to the lifestyles of the rich and famous has passed away. Thank you for joining us. I'm Robin Leach with those champagne wishes and caviar dreams. We all look forward to joining Robin Leach, best remembered for Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, the show he co-created in 1984. For more than a decade, the TV host crisscrossed the globe, showcasing celebrity homes and catching up with the ultra-rich. Leach had been hospitalized since last November after suffering a stroke. He died today at the age of 76. Hawaii is still under a state of emergency tonight with a flood disaster emerging. Hurricane Lane slammed the islands with 24 hours of pounding rain and wind, some places already seeing nearly a meter of rainfall. Tonight, Lane is lashing Hawaii, the Category 2 hurricane unleashing a torrent of rain, flash flooding, mudslides and rescues. Please heed the warnings. It's very dangerous uh, to be outside. Submerging cars, swamping roadways, and flooding homes, up to 40 inches of rain could fall. Potentially the strongest storm in the state in a quarter century. Lane may never make landfall, but is ready to deliver a catastrophic blow. We're looking at major hurricane impacts and things are going to break. Lane now poised to dump more rain than expected as it lingers, sweeping closer to Oahu, dangerous surf with shelters filling fast. A wind-driven brush fire is cutting off West Maui. Little time to escape Lane's wrath. And I knew the hurricane was coming, so I wanted to get out as soon as possible, but you know, you can't control mother nature. Now this island chain is bracing for a new disaster after Kilauea's fire and fury. Tonight, it's rain and wind from a massive hurricane. Trouble in paradise as Lane lumbers on. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Honolulu.
In health matters tonight, it's not the kind of news anyone who drinks wants to hear going into the weekend. Drinking any amount of alcohol is hazardous to your health. That warning from a global group of researchers led by the University of Washington. The team estimates nearly 3 million deaths each year globally are related to alcohol use, and they found no evidence that light drinking improves health. Alcohol is now the seventh leading risk factor for early death and disability, and it's the leading cause for people between the ages of 15 and 49. I wouldn't say the conclusions are alarming. They're just kind of backing up stuff that we already know. So it's, alcohol is a, is a psychoactive drug. When we take it into our bodies, it is quite harmful for us. It causes a lot of cancer in Canadians and different health effects as well. Yvonne Shell, who's down at the PE, nothing crazy like that going on down there, although there is a lot of fun to be had, Yvonne. Absolutely, and I'm located at Celebration Plaza. I have a very special guest who is lots of fun, and he's coming up just after the forecast. But let's take a look outside at our tower cam this evening, where the air quality visor has now ended across Metro Vancouver, but we'll still see hazy conditions and cloud cover over the weekend. A cooler day today again. We're sitting at 19 with a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. Our high today is slightly below the average for this time of the year that sits at 21. Highs into the low 20s for most areas into the interior with Kelowna today. Prince Rupert only climbing up to 17. So the air quality advisory has ended for Metro Vancouver, but it's still across many areas in the province. We can see that indicated in gray. An update on our fire danger rating with extreme for the central interior. A few spots or many areas still at high for the interior. And that will continue with dry conditions for the weekend and a slight chance to see an isolated shower, but we're not seeing much in terms of precipitation. A number of systems is going to move across the province this weekend. It'll be much cooler. We do have a northwesterly wind pushing in, and it's Saturday and Sunday across the south coast, a chance of showers. Interior sections could see a range between 5 and up to 10 millimeters of rainfall, and a very slight chance to see an isolated thunderstorm. Monday, Tuesday, a ridge builds in across the south coast, and there's where we could see temperatures warming up. It'll be similar for the interior, with Tuesday bumping up to 26. Northern half of the province, a chance of showers in 15. Widespread smoke across the central and southern interior. Kamloops will be up to 20 degrees, with Whistler sitting at 16. The south coast, we're at 19 for Victoria tomorrow. And both days out of the weekend, it's going to be cool with on and off showers. And then it's Monday, Tuesday that we've got plenty of sunshine. All right. This is the checkerboard man, also known as David Aiken. Correct. Where can we find you at the at the fair? At the fair, we're in Celebration Plaza, which is by the big Ferris wheel, and we've got this cool thing called the Vertigo Machine. I'm on the Tim Horton stage. Apart from me, it's Magic Brian. We do shows at 1.32, 33, 34, 36, and 7.30 p.m. every day of the show. And what are some of the things that we can see here? Can you show me? Can you be yeah. a part of this? Evening? I would love to be a part of it. Let's see if we can pull this off. I'm going to spin the ball. I'm going to put it on your finger. You're going to spin it by yourself, and they're going to okay, clap. Okay, they're going to clap. Everyone at home, clap. Finger up, don't move a muscle, stay, stay perfectly very straight. still. Yeah, yeah, smile, 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 ready. Fight yourself! Nice. Baby. <laughs> you make Yvonne. it look easy. You're so fun, you're you so fun, you blow my mind. Yvonne, 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 you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Yvonne, Yvonne. <laughs> Nice All right, what else can you show us real quick? We've got another 20 seconds. We've got 20 seconds. I got something good for you. You're gonna this. Inside my banana, I've got two ping pong balls. We're gonna put them in my mouth. I'm gonna juggle them. You ready for this? We're gonna put every ball in my mouth and put it in my mouth at the same time. 
And both arms are in the same time. Now I'm gonna put them up, I'm gonna split them up in the air. We're gonna get to the back up just a tiny bit. people it's all chaos all the time here at the peony you're gonna have a ball come down and have a great time perfect we'll leave that to you i'm not gonna try that one this you don't want to put the ping pong ball i think room. i'm okay for this we evening can, <laughs> i'll hold it in my own no it's okay we're out of time a little later <laughs> celebration plaza chris we're gonna throw it back to you <laughs> poor yvonne totally grossed out thank you checkerboard guy that's a lot of fun uh chaos though as he mentioned and the same is true at a Russian amusement park. At first glance, it looks like a pretty realistic attraction. Problem is, this is not a giant fire-breathing dragon. It's a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex, and it has smoke coming out of its mouth because it's on fire. Officials evacuated the park as a precaution, and the foam, rubber-filled dinosaur quickly ended up burning to the ground. No, Was he smoking? Want. Was that the reason? I'm not sure what happened there. That happened there? This I mean, think Discarded how scary smoking. that would be. If it's Good. not bad enough, it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's a Tyrannosaurus Rex that breathes fire. That's right. And we, RBC Sports Squire, is here with more Do You Know the Way to San Jose? Do the Whitecaps. Thank you, Dion Warwick. <laughs> The uh, Vancouver Whitecaps are only three points out of a playoff spot, but a couple of the teams right in front of them have played less games. So that means the Caps are almost out of mulligans. Now, on the surface, they have an excellent chance to win their next two games because both of them are against San Jose, which, as we said before the commercial break, is the worst team in the league. The first of these two games is tomorrow down in California, but the Caps are not counting these games as automatic wins. Uh, it's, a, it's a trap match for us. It really is. You know, when we go to a, a so-called bigger team, then there's less pressure on us because, you know, we're, we're not expected to win probably by a number of people. Now we go to a team that's at the bottom of the table and, and people will assume and think that uh, we should automatically get three points. Football doesn't work that way. It works in mysterious ways, but not in that way. What's also mysterious is how the Whitecaps this year have a propensity to allow goals late in halves. It's cost them points that could cost them a playoff spot. We'll consistently talk about mental mistakes and mental errors and seeing out a game in the last five minutes of each half, and I think we didn't do that. Um, if we allowed, we've allowed too many goals, and our goalie doesn't deserve that, our team doesn't deserve that, and most definitely the fans don't deserve that. We need to see that game out and, and take the three points, and that we know it's going to be crucial for us to get into the playoffs this season. Whitecaps are on the road. Lions are home tomorrow against Saskatchewan. That usually means a pretty good crowd where people wear watermelons in their heads. <laughs> Even though the Riders were the first team to beat uh, Calgary this season, the Lions are anywhere from a two-and-a-half to three-point favorite. Close game, but they're the favorites because they have not lost at BC Place this year. Brooke and Brittany Henderson. Sunday, the sisters, sister Canadian Women's Open. First hole for Brooke. Off did. the green birdie. Good line, though. Very nice. They're playing this in Regina. She really chokes up in the club there, but she has soft hands, nice touch, and she is one off the lead at 12 under par. Shot of the day, Anna Norquist. Can I say? Second shot, no third shot. So this is Eagle bouncing in. She is four off the lead. Make that five off the lead. Tiger's smiling, but not when he gets to the green today, the second round of the Northern Trust. Ran out of gas, ball on E. Phil Mickelson had a good day. 
Check this out. You cannot play the tour as successfully as he has without being a fabulous. Yesterday, Dustin Johnson almost got the ace. Today, Phil almost got the ace. He's at six under par. That's uh, four off the lead. Brooks Kepka has won two majors this year. Looks like the guy's lifting houses when he's not playing golf. Boy, he's got big arms. That's an eagle putt, and he is one of the co-leaders. Adam Hadwin, minus six, had a good day today. Nick Taylor missed the cut. All right, the Super Dogs are not the only ones doing tricks at the Coliseum during the PE. The Action Sports World Tour is also wowing audiences with a show that features all X Games medalists. All the way from if you want to gauge how much the crowd is loving the action sports show at the PE, all you have to do is look at their faces. And in a sport that's fueled so much on adrenaline, the audience can become the main source of it. Even though I'm wearing a motorcycle helmet and I have way too much hair, I can still hear them in my helmet and it just it gives you that extra little drive that, to keep you moving. It's kind of cool to do shows like this because it does it brings that little bit of energy and adrenaline and stuff like that that'll make you commit uh, more to a trick that you might have been a little scared of previously. And for us mere mortals, that's always the question. How do you do such things knowing one missed trick could mean a ride in an ambulance? It's not if, it's when. <laughs> plan, plan for the worst and hope for the best. It's really dangerous. There's a lot of risk. You never know if you're going to walk away, basically. But in, in another hand, we always take uh, a lot of time uh, practicing all this. This is really, really well calculated. The one thing you'll always notice about any extreme sport athlete is the comradeship they feel with each other. Despite competing in events like the X Games, every one of them seems to be happy just doing the same thing they did as a kid. When I discover the freedom and the adrenaline rush that the sports give you, uh, I kind of became addicted to that freedom. And here we are, 20 years in the game, <laughs> and it's still strong. <laughs> I think, I think when I showed the uh, golf highlights, I didn't say Tiger Woods even par after two rounds, so he just mm. made the cut. He will play in the weekend. Coming up on ET Canada, details on Aretha Franklin's funeral and the passing of Robin Leach. Plus, we have movie previews of Simon Baker's breath and Melissa McCarthy's The Happy Time Murders. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. Awesome. Thank you very much, Sangita. Squire's here, and we've got satellite debris for so, you. So, there's a show in England on BBC One, Strictly Come Dancing, I believe is the name of this program. Mm -hmm. um, and they had a pretty impressive-looking advertisement to uh, tell us all about it. Here we go.
I like it. I do too. I like it. That's good. Okay, so this one is for Audi, and it's about fighting and escaping and the luxuriousness of the Audi, apparently. Fight, right? Uh, I end up winning the yeah, fight. I could. I didn't see the rest of it, but I, you know, it's two against one. I like their chances. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, last two are a um, couple of old favorites from FedEx. Here we go. Now that FedEx has helped us simplify our e-commerce, we can focus on bigger issues like our passive-aggressive environment. We're not passive. We're not passive-aggressive. Hey, hey, hey! There are no bad suggestions here, no matter how lame they are. Well said, Anne. I've always admired how you just say what's in your head without thinking. Very brave. Good point, Ted. You're living proof that looks aren't everything. Thank you. Welcome. So. FedEx helps simplify our e-commerce business, and this is not a passive-aggressive environment. I just want to say you guys are doing a great job. What's that supposed to mean? FedEx, helping small business simplify e-commerce. Boy, we're shipping a ton of these goofy glasses. Yeah, well, we got to hand it to FedEx. They've helped make our e-commerce so easy, and now we're getting all kinds of new customers. I know. Can you believe we're getting orders from Canada, Ireland? This one is going to New Zealand. New Zealand? Hey, you guys are gonna scare away the deer, idiots. Providing global access for small business, FedEx. Come on, nose and glasses on deer. Who doesn't like that? That's right. There you go, right there. And uh, none of them wearing checkerboard. The checkerboard guy we saw earlier on the news hour with uh, Yvonne down there. What did, he, what did he end up doing with the ping pong balls? He took everything away, didn't he? <laughs> Took them all Did away, and he'll be using them for the show at 7.30. <laughs> Did he wash them ahead of no, time? No, I didn't. Squire, I thought of you, and that's why I didn't touch them. Yeah, I just yeah, wasn't interested in that. <laughs> all right, on my peony food tour this evening, quickly to wrap things up, uh, this is from Unroutine Poutine, and this is their Montreal smoked meat. I just need some help with the mic. Full disclosure, I'm not really into cheese or poutine, but we have to try it because we're here. <laughs> or pickles. <laughs> Meat's good, fries good. I'm not really into the cheese, but for poutine lovers, I heard this is the thing to have at the fair. Leave it for me, I'll finish it for you. Thanks for watching, have a great weekend, everybody.